Hey, welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm one of your hosts, Blair. Oh, hey, everybody. Molly here. Thanks for being with us today here on Toddler Purgatory, as we like to call it. Todd Perks. You went to high school with that guy. And today we are talking about, this is actually a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Chances are that I will cry 100%. (laughs) Negative self-talk in our toddlers. Mm. And how to navigate it. Jeez, oh, Pete. Like I don't talk negatively enough to myself. (laughs) Inside my own brain about myself. Well, that's the thing is that like, I never expected to see it so early. Yes. Like, and because... I truly don't think that my son has examples of negative self-talk at home. I try really hard to present a positive body image, even though I, I'm not always thrilled with, you know, my physical self or whatever, <laughs> like who is. Hmm. But like, I really try to like... Someone is, and God bless them. I want to be them. Yeah. Show me your ways. They also work real hard at it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like on the couch like, ugh. <laughs> but I think that like... The thing that makes me most flummoxed, most confused, most I can't understand it is where he heard it. Like so many things that he says, and I know he goes to school. I mean, he goes to pre-K four days a week. So like he has other people's voices in his ear, whether it be kids or adults or whatever. But I honestly think that he has mostly positive things coming at him. And when I hear this negative self-talk, it is heartbreaking. It freaks me out because I go into instant oh no, what does this mean for the future mode? You know what I mean? Like, I don't see it in the moment. I see it just like forever. And I'm just like, oh God, what am I supposed to do? My son, it wasn't until he started kindergarten that he started this, some negative self-talk thing. And what have you heard? Well, he'll be doing his homework and he messed up one day Mm. and he was like, oh no, I'm so bad. I I did it wrong. I'm bad. And I was like, whoa, dog, where are you going with this? Where's this coming from? It scared me because he really went into this like fit. He was like having a fit and he was like, my teacher's going to be so mad. And then of course I was like, oh, your teacher did this? Your teacher's coming at you like this? Let me talk to your teacher, you know? Yeah, it was just for a minute and then he did it again and... You know, then it was just like, okay, maybe this is something that I need to nip in the bud a little harder than I think. Did you end up touching base with his teacher about it? I actually didn't. That's okay. And also the thing that's important in that minute is almost always superseded by something else that feels equally as important in the next minute. Like there's so much going on. So much. Always. And also you may have started to get the idea as I have that like, you know, maybe... I think that one thing that has come into our negative self-talk, for my son, it's the word stupid. Mm. He says, I'm so stupid. Oof. And I immediately, he gets a reaction from me of empathy, of support. I touch his knee. You know, he was in the car seat when he said it the first time. We were sitting in the parking lot at pre-K or something. I can't remember where. And I immediately turned around and I looked him dead in the eyes. You know, I gave him attention, touched his knee and said, babe, that is not true. You're not stupid. You know, if you struggled with something, it's because you're learning. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he kind of calmed down. But I think what he did was he clocked, oh, if I call myself stupid, I get some attention. Right. So I think that's a little bit at play here. The other thing he did, he's also, we should do another episode on like fibbing. Mm-hmm. Because also he was in the car seat in the last couple of weeks and said, I said, well, you know what? I think about that. Something playful about whatever we're talking about. And he goes, you think I'm stupid. Ooh. And I went. What? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, you call me that. (laughs) And 
I went, what? Excuse you, sir? And again, he got my attention. I turned and looked him dead in the eye and I said, I have never said that. I would never call you that. And I never will. And you know it. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Playful and loving. But still, like, I need to put the hard line here because mm. also there's the other thing, which is outside eyes and ears. Like, what if he goes to class and tells his teacher that his mother calls him stupid, which I would never. What if he does? He could. He can say whatever he wants at school. <laughs> he can say what, you know what? They can say whatever they want. And guess what? They do. It's interesting that you say that because what is negative self-talk, right? According to understood.org, here's the thing. Understood.org, I don't know if any of you have stumbled upon understood.org. I have not. I'm excited. It is a one-stop shop for a lot of parenting issues dealing with uh, self-confidence, learning disabilities, health issues, just a bunch of stuff. And then it's full of experts and doctors. And I did most of my research on understood.org because it was just, and the website is beautiful. The layout is pristine, but they call negative self-talk mind traps, which I kind of like. Mm. And they said that most kids want to vent, okay, or make jokes. Like D-Man, ah. make it jokes or fish for reassurance. Oh, I'm sure that's part of it. I am sure. Just casting out, whoosh, fly fishing. He's like a tiny Brad Pitt in that fly fishing movie. <laughs> Just looking for reassurance and attention, baby. Just looking for it. And our fear, of course, is what if it's not that? What if it's genuine self-pity, self-deprecation, whatever it is? That's where we go to first. At least that's where I go to first. Same, same. It's also a way that they relate to others, a.k.a. that mommy playground stuff that we do, that negative, like... Oh, that stuff we talk about. It's the same thing they do with each other. They do it, too, on the playground. Mm -hmm. Interesting. If a negative comment is isolated, it's usually not something to worry about. If they just say something negative about themselves, like, once. But if the negative self-talk comes on more than once, you see it as a pattern, it can be a sign of stress or anxiety. And that type of negative self-talk, usually for the our age group, toddlers. Under age six. It's usually comes to like school, schoolwork and social situations. Yeah, that makes sense. But they're just looking, listen, I feel like sometimes that reassurance thing is what they're doing. Yeah, just fishing for that reassurance. Mm -hmm. And joking too, that like, because they see, you know, they make like the poo-poo and the fart jokes, right? But then they, which I appreciate every time. And I know it's reinforcing it. But gosh, it's, it's funny. It's very funny. Come on. Poops and farts are never not going to be funny, y'all. And like I was saying, like our biggest stress as parents is helping these kids. We don't know what it is. I think the use of the kids of repetition, of hearing it more mm -hmm. than once is a great clue. Like you just said, that's a really good thing to remember. But also... What are we doing constantly? We're watching our kid to make sure they're what? Safe, mm -hmm. but also learning, taking risks. So it's almost like, what can we do in that moment? Is what I did the right thing? You know what I mean? Like, because, or am I giving attention to something negative, right? Like we always hear one of the reasons why kids act out is because they get attention. Right. Right. Even if it's negative attention, because attention is attention. Just like publicity. Yeah. Just like publicity. If someone writes an article about you or reviews your play and says they hated it, hey, at least you had an article written about you. <laughs> at least you spelled my name right. So I do wonder if that's kind of part of it, too, that to get that attention. 
But it, it doesn't mean it doesn't break my heart every time to hear your kids say, I'm stupid. Yeah, of course. Or, oh, I'm so bad. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. And what are these repercussions in the future? Are there? Like you said, you immediately see the future. Immediately. On this website, they actually say that right off the bat, avoid saying things like, don't say that. Or that's not true. Guilty. I do that. Guilty. Hard guilty. They say it's to build a kid's self-esteem that praise their efforts and don't shower them with praise for everything that they do. So if you say, like, don't say that, don't do that. It's more of like you have to change that to like, you know, that's not the best thing to say about yourself. You're incredibly smart. Like you said, Molly, you're just learning. You're learning right now, you know, so you have to like kind of like turn it around, zhuzh it up. Yeah. But not make it seem like you're like, you're the smartest kid I know. Stop that. Don't say that. You're the smartest kid I know. You know what I mean? Because then it's going to be like, it's too general. General. You know, it's funny that you say that. I sent to my husband the other day from a Instagram account, I believe called Transforming Toddlerhood. Mm. And it was, they posted a thing about how to compliment your toddler. And it sounds similar to what you're talking about, like the specificity and also not giving a big label of you're so smart. Right. Or whatever is because then when they're not it will be a crushing blow because they have been led to believe that they are so smart. That they are the smartest. Yes, the smartest. So in Transforming Toddlerhood, they say, how to compliment your toddler. It's not all about appearances. Of course, like, oh, you're so pretty, all that stuff. Stay away from that stuff. But it says, avoid labeling appearance, character, or behavior, such as you did such a good job or you're so smart. That's interesting. Try focusing or acknowledging their effort and process. Just like what you just said. Yeah. Like, for example, you figured out how to fit the piece together. You didn't give up even when you got stuck. Mm -hmm. So it's like focusing your praise on that. And so, I, you know, I sent that to my husband, I don't know, probably a couple of months ago. And it has definitely changed the way I spoke speak to my son. That's really smart. Yeah. It isn't smart because I didn't. <laughs> I do. In the other parts of my life, I say, you did it. He just started riding a two-wheel bike. Did I tell you this? Ooh, go deep. Yeah. He started doing it a few months ago, like down the lawn and down our back alley with us right behind him. But we have to start him and then he would, to stop, he would just fall on the grass. Mm -hmm. Now he can start and stop on his own. So now he's just like bicycling. He's just a kid who bicycles, which is very exciting. But I definitely took that, kept that in mind when I was praising him about it. I was like, you went all that way by yourself as opposed to, you're a great bicyclist. Wow, you're an athlete. You know, anything like that. Anything that could come crashing down later. And his response was, yeah, I'm already a pro at this. But what I should be doing is the application of that same theory when dealing with his negative self-talk, which doesn't come up a lot, but does come up sometimes. And sometimes it is sad. Sometimes it's to get attention. And sometimes I really think for sure you might believe it in that moment. And that's heartbreaking. Just to go back a second, you know, like a light bulb went off in my head on praising the process because I teach acting to kids in college, college freshmen. And process is something that they really have a hard time with because we live in this world of instant gratification. Well, I think it's interesting that you teach these college freshmen and can bring that into the pod conversation. Yeah, I mean, I see it. I mean, listen. Because those are our kids. Your brains don't develop until you're 25. Just saying. But I see that. And acting in itself is like such a process, you know? Sure. And there's a lot of, I want to get in the car, put on my seatbelt, start the car, and be there. Mm. You know what I mean? As opposed to get in the car, put on my seatbelt, start the car, 
press the gas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, go to the first street, the second, you know what I mean? Like the process of, so I think that that's such a like key. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. Oprah aha moment that praising the process of like what happens in the moment yeah. and catching that and praising that. And even if there is some negative self-talk there to negate it with the positive process talk. Yeah. And just like, Normal, normal, schmormal, like as they're doing something, as they're doing things like building Legos or putting on their shoes or, you know, just mm-hmm. praising the process. I think that's like, woo, I love that. It's a good one. Praise the process. That makes mama real happy. Also, one thing is, you know, what I think that I'm identifying with in what you just said as well is that instant gratification they want to get in the car and blink their eyes and beam me up, Scotty, and just get to that place. Yep. Is that we have taken all the legwork out of everything we do. Everything. Do you remember, like, did you have encyclopedias on the bookshelf when you were a kid? Heck yeah, I did. And that big old Webster dictionary? Heck yeah, I did. And that taught patience. It taught, you know, <laughs> alphabetizing. It taught everything. Well, and then you also knew, like, you knew if you had a term paper, it was like, okay, when I get home, like, I have to sit down yeah. and I have to, like, get out the encyclopedias and what it, you know, like, it was all a process. I didn't have Google. Yeah. So if these kids aren't getting something immediately, even when they're five-year-olds, you know, yeah, then they feel like they failed or like they're stupid or like they're bad. I mean, even like Netflix. Even the things that we stream. You remember you had to like wait. I would listen to the radio and have to wait for my song to come on. And you just kept your finger poised over the record and play buttons because you had to push them both at the same time. Same time. Yes, you had to go to Blockbuster and you would run to that new release and you'd flip it over and it was already gone or whatever however they do it. Yeah. And you had, so you had to wait. We were taught delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. And now there is no delay. And the, just the other day I said to my son... I started saying to him, practice makes perfect, or at least better. And then the other day on Gabby's dollhouse, which we love. Hey, Gabby. (laughs) (laughs) What's it all about? And she said, well, practice makes better. So she even, that show even took out the Mm. makes perfect, or at least. Mm -hmm. So when my son was practicing, I'm looking at the sidewalk out my window right now that he practices on, and fell over onto our lawn and kind of looked up at me for how to react, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He sees from me how he should react. And I said, all right, let's get that bike back up. Thank goodness for grass. And I said, and don't forget, practice makes better. And he goes, no, it can make perfect. Oh. And I went, oh, no. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Then I, of course, intimately look at the psyches of both me and my husband to be like, who did he get this from? (laughs) Who did it? Who done did it? Who did this to him? Who put this perfectionist quality in him? (laughs) My husband. Here's a clue. It's my husband. When we come back, we're going to talk more about negative self-talk in our kids. And hey, Blair, Hmm. maybe your new favorite website has some ideas for us. Sure does. Stick around. It's January, and for me, that means New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but eating more healthy foods is always on the top of my goal list. Eating healthy is now easier with Hungry Root, and right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Hungry Root makes it easy to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan vegetarian, dairy-free, low-carb, and others. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh 
fresh, high quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. I love that Hungry Root recommends recipes and groceries based on my taste. I like to take their suggestions and I always love what I get. My favorite are their burritos. I can quickly heat up a burrito and have lunch with no hassle. Right now, Hungry Root is offering toddler purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com toddler to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com toddler. Don't forget to use our link so they'll know we sent you. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey guys, we're back with more on negative self-talk in our kids and how we can usher them towards positivity. Hey, Gabby. <laughs> hey, before we forget, if you think of it, our peeps, could you rate and review our podcast? We're just trying to get out to more listeners and that's one way to do it. Anyway, so we're talking about negative self-talk in our kids who we love so much and we want to set up for success in life. Yes. And this is the thing too. I'm saying this to remind myself this. Mm-hmm is that we have to remember that they are learning, they are getting, they're picking up things, not just from us, but from outside of the home as well. Yeah. So when they do hear these negative self-talk things, don't go to instant, like, what did I just do? Like we were just talking about, like you're like- Don't beat yourself up. Who did it? Which one of these parental units in this house has done this to this child? You know what I mean? Like, because I've heard my son repeat things. No, you did not hear that under this roof. Under this roof, exactly. You didn't hear it here. So it's like, I think that goes along with the negative self-talk. It's the attention that they're trying to get, but don't beat yourself up for like, (gasps) what did I do? So here's the thing. So I know it because I can hear my son say the word stupid. The word stupid is very clear. Your son said bad, but I know in the research that you did, you came up with some other forms of negative self-talk that might be helpful for other people to hear because every kid is so different. So different. Yeah. So according to understood.org, again, shout out to that website. Such a great resource for parents and beautiful layout. I love that you've mentioned that not once but twice. Should you be a graphic designer? I feel like you should. Here's the thing. I'm a visual learner and The way that this is set up, for me, I also have diagnosed ADHD. Hey, 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 all my ADHDers in the house. So when things are like laid out nicely and like clean and I can like clearly process it, it's quite nice. I'm excited to check it out. So yeah, so they have these examples of negative self-talk that you should be looking for in your kid. One is magnifying, and that means expecting uh, small events to turn to huge, when your kids take small events and make them into huge catastrophes. For example, I got a cut on my foot. Do I have a hideous disease? Am I going to turn into, you know, a dinosaur? You know, am I going to die? That kind of thing. So like instant escalating to a catastrophe from a minor thing. Yes, from zero to 100. Minimizing, dismissing something positive so it doesn't change your negative views of yourself. Oh gosh, I do that sometimes. Oh, I do it all the time. For example, the teacher only gave me a good grace because she feels sorry for me. Oh, 
Mm. Because if you take on that compliment or that positive thing, then you have to acknowledge that what you're feeling negatively isn't doesn't need to be true in that moment. Does Right, exactly. I mean, how many times do we do that when people compliment us? All the time because I'm scared of success. Yeah. And because it makes me feel like an imposter to say thank you. To simply say thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd rather sit with my insecurity. Thank you anyway. Thank you anyway. I believe that <laughs> I did like respond to somebody once where they were like, hey, how's it going? You look great. And I went, thanks so much. The pandemic has aged me 10 years and a year and a half. How are you doing? And what a poo-poo response that was because that person wanted to make me feel good by giving me a compliment and I batted it back over the net like a tennis match. Mm-hmm. Nope, I'm not going to accept that. And I, you know. So when our kids are sitting in a negative place or feeling a negative feeling, that dismissing something positive so that it doesn't have to get you out of that negative place is a sign of negative self-talk. I can see that for sure. It is. They also talk about mind reading, assuming that you know what another person is thinking. For example, she pushed me on the playground because she obviously doesn't like me. Oh, geez. Oh, buddy. Yeah. That makes my chest hurt a little bit. Yeah. I think I've said that to my son as well, where he has a couple of buddies who are best friends so like his best friend has moved on to kindergarten so he's not in his school anymore and then his other couple of buddies are good buddies of his but they're also best friends with each other and he has definitely said they don't like me they don't like me that's that Mm -hmm. mind reading you just talked about Mm -hmm. but it isn't that they don't like me it's that they have a super strong vibe and are in the middle of a game or whatever you know (laughs) right right they're doing something that doesn't mean that they don't like you yeah and four and five year olds don't know how to say oh just give us a few minutes You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Or the way that they're behaving just means that they're busy. Mm -hmm. I should just take a breath, wait. It has nothing to do with how they feel about me. go find another friend in that moment. That's so hard. So tough for them. So that's mind reading. Got it. They also talk about should statements, like holding yourself to unreasonable standards. For example, I should have known no one would laugh at my joke. Oh, geez. (laughs) Oh, these are all really heartbreaking. These are heartbreaking. But they're also like, oh, right. This is what we do as humans. And this is... Yes, they're so identifiable. Oh, my gosh. And then they also talk about the all or nothing, thinking in extremes, like seeing an outcome as all good or all bad. It's kind of sort of like, I think that sounds a little bit like magnifying. Oh, yeah. Catastrophizing. Right. Like, for example, if I don't do well on this test, I'm a total failure. Sometimes it's called polarized thinking as well. Oh, that's interesting. That's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all the categories, if you will, of how kids, us, and negative self-talk. Things to listen for. Things to listen for and what it looks like, what it sounds like. And even, you know, it's funny when you mentioned that, Molly, about uh, when someone asked you, you know, or someone was paying you a compliment and you came back. It's so funny how like, and I do the same thing because like, I'm a funny gal. I like to shoot from the hip. Right. And I have been in the presence of my kid. And someone said something to me and I'll come back with something like funny, but probably like self-degrading a little bit. And I remember my five-year-old commented on it, Mm -hmm. on my reaction to what someone had said to me. And I was like, oh, right. No, I was just saying, you know, and then I went into this like, well, no, I was like explaining like, you know, like we're good. It's hard. And how do you describe to your five-year-old about self-deprecating humor versus truly acknowledging the fact that someone took the time to pay you a compliment and and trying to find that balance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that old gag of like this old thing. Oh, this old thing when you're wearing like a beautiful robe. Yeah, (laughs) because you're not allowed to say, thank you. I got it on Poshmark and it was uh, something I saved up for and I'm really proud to have it. I think I look good. And we're all like, damn God. (laughs) 
And some women, not all women, struggle with that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. Like, we are examples to our kids. They're picking up what we're stepping in. No, they're picking up what we're putting down or they're smelling what we're saying. Didn't you teach me they're smelling what you're stepping in? (laughs) Yeah, they're smelling. Sorry. (laughs) I like it. No, I like that you combine those two. They're picking up what you're stepping in. Well, thank you for the help, but it's disgusting. (laughs) Don't pick up anything I've stepped in. It's not a good idea. (laughs) Well, the good news is that, as you said earlier, we're learning here today about the way that we can respond. And I think that I have come on too strong with my son when he has had negative self-talk because it definitely struck something in me of fear. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because also, I don't want him to be a pushover. I don't want someone to praise him or to be whatever he's looking for and then for him to lose his self. Or for anyone to call him stupid and him think that it's true. Yep. You know? Because we're still trying to protect these little guys and gals and kids. Still trying to protect them. And it's that fact of knowing that a lot of what they're hearing, a lot of what they're seeing, a lot of what they're experiencing is from such a short-lived Lens, Yeah. And that it's not reality, but they don't understand that. So it's like trying to explain that and trying to like, yeah, it's a killer. When my son, you know, freaked out during his homework, I was just like, whoa, wait, man. It is so tough. Our biggest fears is that I don't want him or her, although I really don't worry about her. I feel like she's going to be the one calling people stupid. Oh, your little one, your two-year-old. Yeah, she's mean. But he's just so precious. You know, they're just so precious. You know, you just don't want them to navigate through the world and feel like they're stupid or something's wrong with them or having to deal. I don't want them to have to deal with anything negative. There, I said it. I don't want them to have to deal with anything bad or negative in the world. I just want to protect them from all this SH, all the things. Sugar, all this sugar. All this sugar. Yes, and that is so Blair. You're saying what I think a lot of us feel so much every day, which is like, just like our Danger Babies episode, how do we protect our kids? And is protecting them actually doing right by them? Anything. Right, exactly. You know, maybe not. You got to let them climb that tree, right? Because that was similar to catastrophizing. That's sort of, you know, what did we learn in that episode was everything can't be a dress rehearsing for tragedy, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I think to take a beat... When you hear something from your kid that might be on the list that Blair just explained to us or sounds like negative self-talk to you. And, you know, our gut instinct, because of what you just said, that parenting instinct is to protect at all costs. Anyway, that's what we want, right? We want to protect our kids. So, But we can't. So my knee jerk is to say, don't say that. That's not true. And that's didn't you say those are exactly the two phrases we should try not to say? Yeah, avoid it if you can, if you can't. Or if you do say it, you have to bring it with some kind of, you don't back it up with some kind of praise. Don't say that. You're the smartest kid ever. You know, like, don't do that. Right. You know, don't say that about yourself, man. You may be having trouble with this, but look how well you did with that. It's all about how you get there. I don't know. Something like that. And also acknowledging that the way they're feeling, we, we all feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Rather than don't say that, say, hmm, what makes you say that? Sometimes I feel that way about myself. I wonder what made you say that or something like that. Exactly. There's a method that is on understood.com that I thought was really like, oh, helpful when you start hearing the patterns, like those five things, the magnifying, the minimizing, the mind reading. When you're hearing the patterns, when you're hearing that 
the hearing the constant negative self-talk, there's a method. It's called the note method. And it's just N-O-T. And it's notice the behaviors out of the ordinary of your child. Observe the behavior you've noticed and can help you pick up on the patterns and pay close attention while it's happening and jot it down when you see it. Jot it down if you need to. It says do it for two weeks. If it's continuous for, for two weeks, then it may be a problem. That's interesting. So if you've jotted it down and it happened once or twice in two weeks, it's probably not a pattern yet. It's not a pattern yet. But if it's because once or twice does not a pattern make, nope. right? It has to be kind of a consistent everyday kind of thing. But they say for two weeks. And then T is talk with people who interact with your child, aka your pediatrician, your educators, caregivers to get helpful insights. Mm -hmm. So the talk isn't really like talking to your kid. It's like seeking outside of yourself to people who interact with your kid to see if they're hearing the same things that you're hearing. Mm, That's interesting. That's a good one. Right. Exactly. I would rarely do that because I take it all on myself. Sure. And finally, engage in a conversation with your kid. And it could be hard to talk about challenges, of course, because sometimes you feel as though it's a poo-poo on you. Of course. But it's also a relief for many kids, and it helps them build self-awareness. Oh, and that's all we're trying to do here, people. That's all we're trying to do. And I think that, like, in my tears, I forget that, like, on the other side of self-confidence is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not all about like, I'm good. I'm great. I'm, you know, it's like, I get it. I understand it. I see it. And this is what I can do about it. These are my feelings. And this is what's happening. These are my feelings. They're valid. Yeah. I'm a good human. I just need to work through this. Being self-aware is key. I say self-awareness over self-confidence. Love it. I do like the idea of, you know, I think what I got from the note method that you just mentioned is that two-week thing is like, don't have that knee-jerk reaction that I have, which is to try to nip it in the bud the first time it happens because it might not be a pattern yet. So take a step back, take a breath, take a beat, watch and learn and observe and maybe talk to the other adults, like you said, Blair, in Mm -hmm. our kid's life, Mm -hmm. because that is important, and then talk to your kid. And if it feels like something you can't get to the bottom of or you don't see a sense of relief in your kid, then you should think about going to see a professional mm-hmm. to help your kid out. For sure. Because as you know, we're just podcast hosts, but there are professionals out there who can really, really help you and your kid if they're going through a tough time. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about negative self-talk in our kids and, frankly, ourselves because (laughs) it's so human, y'all. It's so human. And to see it in our kids is both heartbreaking and also an opportunity, you know, to engage. So during the break, Blair and I were just talking because, you know, as I mentioned, my reaction is to say, don't say that, right? And we don't want to put the red light or put the brakes on possible engagement, possible furthering of understanding why our kid is talking like this. But I have a hard time kind of coming up with like questions on the spot that won't feel like they're being put on the spot. Right. So, Blair, you mentioned you might have some examples. Yeah. So these are examples of, you know, questions to ask when you, like Molly said, when you feel stumped or when you feel like a broadcast reporter, like, tell me more about that, son. Right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's for example, if your kid says, you know, I'm so stupid, you say, you know, well, I'm curious. What makes you say that about yourself, right? Okay. I'm curious. Okay. So it kind of like puts it on you, but opens it up to them. Yeah. Puts it like, oh, really? Like, I'm curious. Why would you say that about yourself? Or what makes you say that? Or did something happen during school today that made you feel negative and made you feel this way? Okay. So these are like gentle. Right. And again, it could be, you know, that's the idea of like, did you hear it versus do you feel it? Yeah, totally. And also when I think kind of going back to what you said earlier, we're not pre-labeling something. Like we're not saying, did something bad happen at school today? Right, 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 right. Or did a person say a bad thing to you, like labeling it as bad before we've even heard it? Mm-hmm. I like the open-endedness of these questions you're saying. So like, yes. did something happen during school today that made you feel negative? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would be like, don't say that. Was someone mean to you? Who said it? <laughs> Who said it? Tell me, what's their names? Where do they sit? They sit in your pod? We're setting up for negativity, whereas keeping it open-ended and a little more gentle Mm -hmm. way in feels like maybe they'll talk more. Maybe we're not pre-labeling it. Maybe we're not telling them what to say, essentially, in our question. Exactly. And this one's a good one. Does anyone you know feel the same way you feel? Oh, that's interesting. That's a nice empathy setup, right? Yeah. Because sometimes, I know this, sometimes my kid will see somebody be angry or see somebody be upset crying or something, and they'll take that on. He'll take it on. Yep. And he'll be like... And you see a kid hit another kid, you feel like maybe I'll hit a kid. Exactly. (laughs) They're so impressionable. Exactly. They're so impressionable. It's like just impressing upon each other doing some bad stuff. But it is interesting that wording, like instead of saying... Did you see someone at school who called themselves stupid? You know what I mean? Like, it's accusatory. It's like taking the accusations out. Absolutely. And gently, does anyone you know feel the same way you do? So that might say, yeah, I saw so-and-so. I heard so-and-so say this sometimes. Exactly. You go, ah, okay. Okay, got it. Okay, that's where it's coming from. Yeah. And then there's also, what would need to change about the issue for you to feel a different way? Mm, That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance... 
if my son was feeling bad about himself because his two friends got to sit near each other or whatever, we're always playing. What right. would need to change about that issue? What would need to change about what would make you feel better? Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, like not putting it on them to have to change the situation, but what would need to be different in order for you to feel a different way? Oh, mm -hmm. listen, this makes me want to become a child psychologist just because I feel like all of the stuff would come naturally because I would study it all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Like these gentle ways in these gentle ways. And also, as I'm reading through this list, I'm also thinking like asking my kid these questions and how sometimes I ask him stuff and he gives me nothing. Nothing. Nada. So it's so interesting, like, it's almost like we have to take this role as opposed to having, taking it personally, assuming it's something we did or a reflection on us as parents. <laughs> <laughs> right. And trying to, you know, throw down the red hammer. Nope. And trying to stop it immediately in its tracks, which is sometimes I think what we as parents do because we think, oh, if I just say, don't feel that way, then he won't feel that way. And then he'll grow up to be a strong, independent, and yet self-aware and kind person. But actually... In this case, they're exposing a little part of themselves to us. If, like you said, we observe and see that it is a pattern that they are feeling bad about themselves about something. And this could be just think about taking that gentle way in. Mm -hmm. Engage that last step after you've done the other thing. So it was N-O-T-E. Mm -hmm. The note method. Notice, observe, talk, talk, and engage. engage. Yes. Yes, that's great. Yeah, we almost have to turn into child psychologists or like take that perspective. Yeah, you really do. W-W-A-C-P-D. What would a child psychologist do? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you spell? Are we going to a website? What's happening? Can I tell you that usually I think to myself... Wait, what does it come from? It comes from people used to wear the t-shirts, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And then one time someone posted that they had an idea for WWTPHD, which is what would Taraji P. Henson do? Because <laughs> <laughs> she's such a bad, you know what? Yes. Bad bum. How do you say the phrase I'm trying to say, but also keep it? She's a bad, watch your mouth. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, but she's so awesome and lives her life so fully. And I was like, oh, that's so great. So now I'm going to make t-shirts. What would a child psychologist do? Which is so funny because my dad is one or was when he's retired. Isn't that hilarious? Yes. Oh, man. Which is interesting because you often take, in fact, some of the stuff that was on this list, you were already saying at the top of the show. And I was like, there's that little child psychologist inside of you. And you always like, I feel, have that child psychology mind. I wish I had it. This is the kind of stuff that I really have to work hard at. Well, you know, we all do. And I think part of, you know, growing up having a child psychologist in schools, he was a school psychologist and he, all different ages, but he was also still my dad. Yeah. So I think that's part of it too, where like he got angry with us. Like he didn't always do the child. He was, wasn't always on duty. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I do think that he handled him and my mom. My mom has a psychology degree, although she went on to become a medical librarian. But what do you call it? So, and I think they both kind of took tax uh, or whatever, like took the path often, especially when it wasn't an immediate thing because we're all human and we have knee-jerk reactions and we have big emotions sometimes. But when it was big picture stuff, they I did learn a lot from them. You know, nobody's a perfect parent. I'm not, they weren't, but I did learn some ways of doing things. And sometimes... Those ways are completely drowned out by my emotions. 100%. Mm -hmm. In the moment of having my own child, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So all we can do. So, all right. So what are our takeaways? 
my takeaway is I love the idea of making myself take a beat because I'm an emotional person and I react quickly. So I need to get myself in the head of a WWACPD. What would a child psychologist do? (laughs) And take a step back and ask those gentle searching questions that don't put the block up for our kids that says, oh, my mom's going to have or my dad's going to have or my caretaker's going to have a big reaction to this. Mm. So I can't tell the truth. It's a conversation. We're going to engage them after we have observed that this actually might be a pattern that we need to look at. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. my takeaway from this is that taking a step back thing from that immediate knee-jerk reaction and observing and making sure that what I'm seeing is an actual pattern and then start making some gentle inroads to finding out what's going on. Totally. I think my takeaway is that I love the praise the process. I love that idea. Great. Rather than setting up those big expectations. Yeah. And in that and stopping myself from, hey, don't say that about yourself. That's not true. You know, it's like, go back, praise the process of what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, dude, that's not true. Look how well you are doing this. It takes a while to get to where you're going, but you're doing it. You're doing the necessary steps you're so good at this. Once you get there, you'll feel great. You're going to be a millionaire. You're going to buy me a house. It's going to be awesome. Oh, please buy me a house. And then just be like, Coda, (laughs) please buy me a house. Yes, totally. And I think part of that is getting ahead of it a little bit, like making sure we're not setting our kid up to magnify things. And not that we're in charge of our kids' emotions. We're not, but we certainly have an effect on them. Yeah, a little bit. So if we're setting them up for you're so smart and then the day they get a question wrong on the quiz in kindergarten, they break down into tears because now they're not smart, they're stupid. That's setting our kid up for this umbrella praise (laughs) and then they don't do that thing, they're going to feel crushed as opposed to resilient. As Blair said, start from praising the process and not setting up these crazy expectations for them to be the smartest one, to be the best, to never get anything wrong, to expect perfection every time. Because then those tiny blows become crushing blows to them. And also, talk to yourself real nice. Because you know what? Yeah. What are they hear? What are they hearing, you say? What are they hearing? So and just know, you're doing a good job. Mama, you're doing a good job. You better be talking to yourself real nice. Listen. Because when you do that, there's that energy shift inside of you that maybe when your kid goes to that negative self-talk or even repeating whatever they may hear, right? There's something about the energy of it that's like, "Mm, maybe not. No, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. And they learn. They're learning. Ugh, we are learning. Ugh. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I took away a lot from this, so... Thank you all for being here for me and Blair. We hope we were here for you. You know, as always, if you can, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. Tell your friends about me and my friend Molly. Yeah, that's right. And we had some really wonderful notes left on the Wet Fresh Hell Facebook page and comments. And we just want to tell you, we appreciate them all so much. So much. They're so awesome. And we're so happy that you're in our lives. So thank you. Have a good one, y'all. Bye. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. 
My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.